0: And we're going to talk about how a church, which is the body of Christ, how we're supposed to treat ourselves as a church. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read these verses, verses 11 to 16, and I'll, I'll make note of verse 16 in just a moment. Ephesians 4, says this, And he, Jesus, gave some apostles, and some as prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, as to perfect us, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, not anybody else, we're not trying to compare ourselves or be like anyone else, just want to be like him. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of YouTube but by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But instead we should be speaking the truth in love and may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom, here's our key verse, the whole body, talking about believers, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. From the, from the first time I read that verse um, uh, as, as, a, as a new Christian, it was like layer upon layer of what what, what is he talking about? And just the whole, when, 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 when God tries to compare us as Christians to something, he compares us to a temple, he compares us to a body, a unified body. And when he starts talking about the body, I think we take... What we are and who we are very for granted we don't realize how complex and how awesome the human body is um every part of you is so designed it's not thrown together and the bible says this when it talks about just like a human body it says the whole body fiddly joined together you're you're not loosely connected you're fiddly joined together compacted how are you compacted every joint in your body is pulling together and don't mind the underline, I just took a picture of my screen, but it's, uh, it just didn't know how to spell that. Every joint is supplying that strength according to the effectual working of the measure of every part. So sometimes a little finger can only pull up so much, but when it's put together with a whole hand, it can lift up a lot. But every joint is supplying what it can do. And it maketh increase, it grows, it builds the body unto the edifying of itself in love you'd hate to be around somebody who hated themselves you would hate to to try to encourage somebody who didn't like how they looked it's very hard to you know to try to reason with somebody who hates their life but that this right here is describing a body that loves itself that that takes care of itself that makes sure it gets enough sleep and that it, it exercises it eats well and it grows in 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 joy instead of in depression so the body of christ is supposed to be like a human body that is healthy and strong and vibrant and and serving and doing what jesus would do if he were here today so Uh, did you notice there were four things that were in those verses? One is, as I said, he talks about the whole body and the body of Christ, which is us. Born again believers representing Jesus Christ alive on earth today. Now, uh, you may not look like Jesus, but you ought to act like him. And then every joint of the body is supplying the needs of the rest of the body. Somebody says, well, I'm not very important. You have no idea how important you are. And 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 you may think that, that nobody notices you, which may be true, nobody may notice what you're doing, but God notices and the body notices. And when people aren't here or when people are just 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 watching and not helping, boy, the whole body hurts for it. So every joint of the body working together makes a strong body. Every part doing it part actually grows the body. The body is able to grow when every part is working together. And the body's supposed to edify itself in love. You're supposed to do things that, that uh, relax you and that, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with doing something that makes you happy. And that's what a church does. There is no greater joy than to walk in truth, the Bible says. There's no greater joy than for a group of Christians to have joy and we, as like a body, it's not just like, I, uh, we've had a barbecue now twice this week, I guess. And uh, Connor says, can we have it again? (laughs) And boy, you just sit back, you got potato salad, you got, I don't know, we got to come up with new names for deviled eggs, don't we? Like like Uncle Craig's eggs or grandpa's eggs. But uh, deviled eggs and we've got salad and chicken and sausages and burgers and stuff. And you just sit back and you smile, why? Because that's what you want to do, it's a joy. And Christians should have a joy about who we are and what we do because it matures us and it helps us. Being depressed all the time and discouraged and fearful by the world will will ruin you. So, now I have to say this, you only get into the body of Christ by the new birth. The Holy Spirit has to put you into the body of Christ. Nobody just walks into a church and says, now I'm saved. None of that doesn't make you saved any more than going into a garage makes you a car, or going into a hospital makes you a doctor. You get into the body of Christ by being born again. But we when you are saved we are the body of jesus christ right now on this earth we're not a political body we have plenty of those all right but we are something far more powerful and if you're expecting politics and politicians to fix this planet you are sorely mistaken god god changes the world and turns it upside down by the preaching of the gospel and by churches living like christ so as so I said last week, I give you four hard church, four, some hard truths, three hard truths. Uh, uh, one, one, the first one is that not every church is actually a real church. You may go into a church and go, is this a church? Lights are down, music is beating, and the lights are flashing, and everybody's swaying, and you go, is this a church or not? You never know, okay? You may have taken a wrong turn, or it may just be what they think is a church. A, a, a real church is a group of people who have been called away from the world. I don't care what they're doing. They know it's time for church. It's time to assemble. And we assemble together with the goal of becoming like Jesus. That's a church. Uh, Acts 2 says this, they, these Christians, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They had such unity back then, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So the Lord was putting people and gathering people and assembling people into a church back then he's still doing it today so not every church is actually a church number two second hard truth that not everybody wants to agree with is that not everyone's a member of the church just because you attend a church doesn't make you a bona fide committed member of that church you have to ask to be a member not a, you know you have to be you have to have a testimony of salvation you can't just say well i was raised in a christian home i don't care where you were raised uh, say well i'm i'm this kind of person i don't care what kind of person you are have you been born again was there a day, was there a time where you knew you were lost without hope and without God and you humbled yourself and you cried out to God and you said, Lord, save a wretch like me. You have to have that time. If you haven't had it, get it today. It's not like, yeah, well, I gotta go up to Loch Derg or I gotta head up to, to um, um, you know, Krog Patrick. I Gotta find God, no, you'll find God in the quiet of a corner um, in, your, in your closet or somewhere and you'll cry out and just say, God, I need you I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live my own life my way and I want to live it your way now I'll follow Jesus just save me now that's getting in uh, that's getting saved but once you get saved you got to say I want to now be a part of a group that wants to be like Jesus you can't do it on your own you need other people to rub off on you you need your people who rub you the wrong way by the way to make you a better person and the third hard truth is this not every Christian cares for other Christians like Jesus intended us to. He probably well over two dozen times uh, uh, said, love one another. Now I wonder why he had to command that. ever think about that. Isn't it natural for us just to love one another? Don't we just love one another? We do not. You know, children have to be taught to love one another. Now hug your sister. No, 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 don't, don't, don't crush her. <laughs> you have to teach to love and Jesus over and over and over says guys this is a new commandment I'm giving you and not every Christian obeys those commandments so it's why it's important for us to learn this thing because we're supposed to live act react like Jesus would if he were here in the 21st century so we're gifted now we're going to go to Romans with seven amazing gifts Romans chapter seven I'm sorry chapter 12 and there in verse nine, we're gifted with the ability to edify the body. We have been we have been spiritually, specially, supernaturally gifted to do a special part, a special job, a special function in our church. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. I'll start in verse 6. Having then gifts. Differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. He that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So when he starts off, he says, there's a list of things that, that you've been given, at least one thing, to be able to minister to other people and be able to help them. And he starts off, uh, he says, Having, everybody's got different gifts. All right? Some people have the gift to speak. That's speak for God. That's prophecy. Uh, whether it's prophecy or ministry, where they just, they just love to serve. They say, what can I do next? What can I do next? What else do you need done? Uh, he that teacheth, they love to learn so they can explain it to someone else. Uh, God gave you that. If you've got that, it's not something you've got a school or something. you got it from the Bible. He that exhorteth, that's an encourager. That's, that's somebody who just keeps you moving forward. He that, that giveth, it's just somebody that whenever God gives them money, they give it away. They just, they just want to be a, a, a conduit, a channel, somebody that God can bless through. He that giveth and he that ruleth, that's a manager. That's somebody is able to manage people, coordinate, get things done. You need a church with these kind of people and he that show with mercy probably the most important that just loves people unconditionally just you just doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done how long you've been away they just love you and they just have great mercy on you kindness that's a church okay now um god saved us and he gifted us with all of these abilities for a high purpose and that is to serve one another to minister and care for each other so when we come to Romans 12 like we are going to pick up here in verse 9 uh, we find a list of 13 things that show us that that allow us to love one another as Christ loved us I wish it was normal to do these things uh, but they're not normal that's why the Bible is filled with instructions because we just don't get it and we've got to read it and learn it and obey it so lists aren't always the most entertaining way to learn the Bible but the Bible is full of lists. How mean, remember the Ten Commandments. That's a list. All right. There are lists in the Bible. And that, that just sometimes God just says, just take it simply and say, that's what I need to do. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I want to talk to you about how we can treat each other like the body of Christ. So let's go to verse 12. I'm mean, sorry, chapter 12 and verse 9. And when if we are going to use our gifts, which we should, we should start off with verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, down to verse 16 and we'll go back through. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation continuing instant in prayer distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality bless them which persecute you bless and curse not rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep be of the same mind one toward another mind not high things but condescend to men of low estate be not wise in your own conceits we will stop with that thing there but go back to verse 9 and he starts off and he says let love be without dissimulation. Now dissimulation is an older word for hypocrisy but do you hear the word simulate in there? Hear that word? You see it is easy to put on a show and be be fake nice to one person and real nice to someone else. Okay and I'll show you an example of it. Uh, let's see I need uh, Gavin if you'd come up here. Gleb come up here too as well. I'm gonna use the two of you. Alright so this is This is what we do, all right? So Gavin, I like you. Actually, uh, um, pull over here a little bit more, okay? Come over a little closer. So I'm coming up, and I I greet Gavin, and I go, hey, Gavin, nice to see you. Did you have a good day? Did you have a good week? Yeah, good, amen, amen. Oh, how are you? (laughs) Nice to see you, it's been so long, man. It's been, oh, ages. All right, now, which one did I simulate love to? Which one did I show love to? All right. Now, thank you. I just needed an example there. We can we can put on a show, and we can fake an, an act of love, but isn't it something when we know, everybody knows, boy, that was very hypocritical. All right? Now, I hate the fact that more and more people, especially in Europe, we're so restricted. We're, we don't show any emotions to one another. It's just—it's like you, the people show emotions uh, in all other places except at church, and it's like, why? Here, he says that we need to get along as a family, closer than friends, love as brethren, without dissimulation. That means never simulate it, never make it mechanical. Can you imagine, you know, um, uh, husband and wife and? Uh, it's, it comes to their anniversary and the husband gets a card and he says, I love you, and he forgets to, forgets to sign it, doesn't even put her name on it, and just puts it there, and then he goes on with his day. And it's kind of mechanical. You do what you're supposed to do instead of showing real affection. That would really go very bad. But loving from our hearts, loving toward everyone. Listen to First John three eighteen. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. Be better if you said nothing than to do it instead in deed and act and in truth. Your kids want to see real, passionate, committed love today by us adults. I grew up, I don't remember my mom and dad ever holding their hands. Don't know that I ever saw, uh, I don't remember ever hearing my dad say to my mom, I love you. I don't remember, I'm sure they did at some point. But I never saw real, committed, passionate love. Now, isn't that funny? Where do kids see real, committed, passionate love? They see it on television, and it's fake. They're rarely ever married. And so where do they think reality is? Not in church, because we're not showing it. So let love be without dissimulation, without hypocrisy, without mechanical duties. Our first task as believers toward each other is to show love, like family, because we are. Secondly, because that ought that, to be so easy for us just to gather, and I say, listen, so-and-so's hurting, we need to pray. Boom, we come together, because we love one another, and we, we worry about one another, and we care about it. No matter what we're doing, it's family. Secondly, have right attitudes. Look at verse 9 again. He says, abhor that which is evil, and cleave to that which is good. Have right attitudes about good and evil. Uh, have the right way of thinking about what's going on around us. Um, That means have uh, no fear, no panic, no anger, no bitterness, just right responses based on the Bible. The first part says, abhor. Now abhor means to reject, to hate, to puke at. You understand that word? To throw up at the sight of sinful acts and sinful words, run away from things that are clearly evil. Abhor. It doesn't just say hate, it says abhor. It ought to just come out of your gut and you're like, I got to get out of here. This is wrong. Christians ought to have that unified attitude about sin in the world and in our homes and in us. Do you know lying is an abomination? Lying is an abomination, not just wrong. It ought to make you puke at the fact if you ever tell a lie, it ought to make you sick that you did it. You should abhor. The, the idea that you felt like you had to lie. Mocking God is evil. Mocking people, being hypercritical of them, evil. Homosexuality, evil. Abhor things that are evil, the Bible says. You know, when you mistreat someone older than you, you're, you're, you're doing evil. Um, abhor that. Say, no, no, no. I've got the Bible says, honor. People who are older than me. Honor somebody who's of the opposite sex than you. Somebody who the world thinks is an object you ought to treat like a sister. You would never treat your sister the way you're treating other other girls and other people. We should abhor that evil and it should not even be so named among us. The second half is cling to those things that are good. I mean, hold fast to things like soul winning. You hold on to it. You say, well, it's not very popular. I hold on to it because it's good. Discipling new believers. Reading my Bible every day. Being in this church every week. Going to work every day and working my job because it is good. It used to be a long time ago, people elevated work at the job as godliness. It was a godly thing to have a job and to work and to pay your bills. It was ungodly to be on the dole. Now, I know there are some people who have to be. That's different. But cling to that which is good. You say, I got to get to work. Good, amen. That's clinging to good things and rejecting evil things. That makes a strong church. That pools together. Third thing, he says, show kind affection and brotherly kindness to each other. Verse 10, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. What does it look like when Christians show affections to each other? It looks like you're a family. It's not like, well, I'm from Texas and I'm from Scotland and I'm from Nigeria. No, no, no. We're brothers and sisters. That's what we are. Uh, I like how in Romans 16, go two pages to the right. Go to Romans 16 and verse 16. Salute, that's greet one another with a what? Now, there are unholy kisses, and we ain't going there, all right? <laughs> but there's a holy kiss, which means a pure kiss, an innocent kiss, and the churches of Christ salute you. Salute one another with a holy kiss. Now, we don't do that here, all right? <laughs> there's nobody at the door waiting to kiss you, okay? <laughs> but I don't mind it. reason is this. I've been in Spain. Man, from Spain, south and east, down in the Middle East. You know what everybody does when they greet one another? Oh, mwah, mwah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's three, four, five times, man. What are they doing? They're greeting one another like family. Do we treat each other that way? Or are we kind of stoic? Greet one another. Take, love one another. Show kindly, kind affection to one another. Kind affection means you're gentle to one another. You're protective of one another. You're watching out for each other being hurt. And you're careful about how you talk about each other so show love as brethren love like that person's your brother or your sister uh maybe you never experienced brotherly love when you grew up maybe uh your brothers were mean and cruel like like most guys are all (laughs) right maybe your parents never showed much affection but that's okay because jesus says he made up for all that when he said love one another as i loved you don't try to you say well my parents weren't very good at showing love good they're not your example jesus is so if you want to know how to love your husband ladies love him like christ loved you gentlemen you want to love your wife like christ uh, like she deserves love her like christ loved you he's our example love one another as i have loved you it's the greatest testimony to the world Paul talks about all the way through this thing, the love, the foundation of love, because by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have what? Money, right? If you have friends, right? No, if you have love one toward another. He goes on, it says, honor prefer one another. Back to chapter 12 and verse 10, in honor, preferring one another. And this is, you see a pattern here, A repetition of love and honor, preference, clinging to. Now what 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 is he asking us to prefer? All right? Well when you have to choose between that and that, I know which one I'm choosing. If I had the chance to go in a part and be with a crowd of 90,000 people, versus in a church with just 50-60 people, where I'm going to hear the Bible, where we're going to sing the songs of heaven, and where we're going to be encouraged and going to be ministered to and going to be helped and be um, uh, energized and and, and helped to get right. I know which one I'm choosing. But the Bible says preferring one over the other. The Bible, even Christian, prefers other Christians. You say, well, some of the Christians I know aren't very... I wouldn't trade the worst Christians I know for the world. You know why? Because they're family. Do you have somebody in your family? Maybe it's an uncle or... Maybe it's your brother, I don't know. It's just like, oh, I wish he wasn't my brother. But he is your brother, and you love him, and if anybody ever said something about him, you would come to the defense, wouldn't you? That's family. Honor and prefer one another over anything the world has. Uh, Moses made that choice in Hebrews 11. i just read it by faith. Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You know what he ended up doing? He ended up risking his life, forsaking Egypt, and he stayed with the people of God. He made a choice, honor and prefer one another. It goes on, it's got a few more in that list, doesn't it? It says, fervently serve the Lord Jesus as we serve one another. Back there in chapter 12, verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit serving the lord now business we usually think of like a shop down at the corner or maybe working for amazon fervent and uh, not slothful in business now everybody knows what a sloth is i hope you've seen a sloth maybe on animal kingdom or on something on discovery channel or something a sloth the reason why the bible uses the word sloth is because there is a creature called the sloth you know what the sloth does almost nothing it is one of the laziest natural creatures and that's how it's designed to show us maybe what we're like when we're not busy but when he talks about business he's talking about being busy being busy always busy serving the lord a sloth is too lazy to pick up a finger and to help out are you lazy are you constantly complaining about things just watching others do all the work with you doing nothing or are you fervently serving god Colossians 3, you're in Romans, go to the right, go to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. Colossians three twenty-three. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily. That's a good Irish word. Heartily, with all your heart, with all your energy, do it heartily. What a hearty breakfast that was, we'd say. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. What do you do? You treat people as if they're the Lord Jesus himself. You make them feel very important. You treat them like they are Jesus. And you're filling the, the, the work of, of the church, man, as Christians, because didn't Jesus treat everybody like they were somebody more special than him? Didn't he treat people with such honor that they didn't deserve and yet he honored them? He said, when you took care of the least of my brethren, you were doing it as if under me. I like the next part. Back there in Romans 12, 12. I like three words. What is it? Oh, go right Rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. I love that. What does hope look like? Well, our world is filled with Disease and quarantines and storms and disasters, hospital beds and graves. Where's the hope? Right in your hand. Our hope is is not in our circumstances. Our hope is something that ought to thrill us, no matter even if we're in the storm. It ought to be in the storm. Jesus is walking on the water in the dark, is terrifying the disciples. And Peter says, if it is you, bid me to come out on the water. I doubt it'll happen. You can't. You won't do that. I won't be able to walk in the water. As soon as he got on that water, he started walking. Would you imagine? Is is he sad? He's got the biggest smile on his face. He's doing the impossible. He's enjoying. In the middle of the storm, the boat is sinking. He can't see except just a form of a man out on that water, and he's trusting. Maybe it's Jesus, and Jesus says, come on out here and he's on that water and it's a thrill for about three seconds before he looks at the winds and the waves and he sinks. But you get the idea, he was enjoying, in the middle of the storm, he was enjoying Jesus. And a Christian can, in spite of everything going on, can live in hope. We've got something that's, that we can see coming. Uh, Proverbs 4.18 says, the path of the just, the path of the Christian is as a shining light that shineth more and more until the perfect day. I'm looking forward to a perfect day. Some of these days have been nearly perfect, haven't they? Well, I'm looking forward to endless sun, endless perfect weather, not 30 degrees, but about 23, 24, right? Amen. Even though we're still in this world with all its twists and turns and upsets and confusion and abuses and troubles, we have a hope. And the Bible there says, rejoicing in our hope, thrilled with, it's only going to get better. Jesus even said, when you see wind and storms and pestilence and the sun and the moon becoming signs of disaster and the world going crazy, Jesus says, look up, I'm coming back. So we don't despair. We don't live in disappointment. I mean, every day you can go over all the things that disappointed you. You ever done that? It's easy, amen? We shouldn't do that. We should rejoice in hope. We should go, it ain't that bad. And, and it's only going to get gooder. He goes on and he says another thing. He says, be patient in suffering. Look in verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in whatever tribulation you're going through. If you've got hope and soon expectation about it's going to be better, you can be patient in all your time of trouble. You can put up with all the wrongs against you. We have, we have an age, we have a day where everybody wants to right all the wrongs of history. You can't do that. You're never going to just fix things that happened to you 20 years ago. You're not going to fix all the things that were uh, abuse towards men and, and women 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're going through, you can be patient in it, and you can keep your eyes on the future. That's what a Christian has. I have the ability to enjoy right now because I don't live back there. That's not my life, my life is in Christ. Christians can be patient in suffering, and believe me, you will suffer. You're not exempt from having trouble. Whatever the world is experiencing, we're going to experience. That's why Christians get COVID. That's why things are, are affecting and job losses and stuff. You say, I'm a Christian, I sh- everybody else should be fired but me. No, it doesn't happen that way. But whatever it happens, you can be patient. You can endure the pains and the tears. And just keep going for the Lord because it's only going to get better when you do have the rough times he gives us one more thought there he says make sure that you continue in prayer together verse 12 goes on he says continuing instant in prayer now prayer is not a small part of the christian life did you know prayer is constant if you get to the place if you want to be blessed as a christian make Your communication with god a walk not not a wednesday night 30 minute time constantly it ought to be uh, true that we are constantly praying for the people you meet for the hardships you face for the pain you may be suffering be instant spontaneous don't be don't wait to be reminded to pray it ought to be natural to pray Because prayer binds us together like nothing else. Did you know you can't hate someone you're praying for? If you pray for your enemy, it's impossible to continue to hate them. So continue in prayer together, alone. He's talking about the things we do that pull us together and make us stronger. Verse 13, take care of each other. Look in verse 13. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Now, you can't take care of the poor all over the world. There's nothing wrong with giving to different organizations. But make sure you take care of one another. Distributing to the necessity of saints. You know, my right hand takes care of my left hand. My feet and my legs constantly carry the weight of my entire body. My eyes watch out for danger when I'm crossing the road. My ears listen for somebody sneaking up behind. My tongue, when I'm tasting something, especially something new, it... It's, it seeks out and senses toxins and poisons before I swallow it. You ever notice that? You get milk out of the fridge and you pour it in your, your coffee and your eyes see it globble up into globs and it's all curdled. And you go, ugh. Well, what about if you don't notice that and as soon as you take a sip and you, well, that, 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 that milk is bad, you spit it out. There are parts of you that are on guard that are taking care and protecting the rest of the body. You know, the tiny hairs, I had a, yesterday, we've been keeping our doors open, I our doors, our windows open and letting breeze through the air. So bugs come in at night, you ever notice that? Especially if the light's on. And so I'm sitting there last night, I'm reading away and all of a sudden, there's the tiniest little bug I've ever seen, that I could see with my own eye, on my left arm. And I had to bring it up to the light, but I could feel them between the hairs on. Those little hairs were doing their job. Warning me, there's a blood sucker on there. <laughs> I don't know what it was i just went like this but i every part of the body is watching out for the rest of the body isn't it it is cool it take look at galatians you're in romans go to the right find galatians chapter 6. galatians 6 in verse 2. <coughs> Bear ye one another's burdens. Bear, put put your hand under their weight. Get under there and help them carry what they're carrying. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill all the law of Christ. If you know the need, if you notice a need in the body, you meet it. You know, maybe a mosquito bites you. You, you kill the thing. All right. Uh, you react, uh, you begin to stumble, the whole body begins to adapt and so it doesn't fall down. If there's a need to the body, you meet it. If you hear of someone hurting, you should act as if it was your own flesh and blood. It's not socialism to care for one another. Um, when When you pass a broken down car on the side of the road and you stop and you pull over and you, Uh, repair the 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 puncture or you change the tire or you get the the, um, the engine going again you're meeting a need you're not giving them your car okay you're just meeting that need maybe it's fixing a meal or mowing somebody's grass or paying somebody's electrical electricity bill when they have no money that month take care of one another that's our first job right here God gave us our family if you do not the Bible says if you've got a family husband wife kids mom grandma grandpa if you've got a family and you're sending all your money to other people and you're giving your money to other people to make money and you're not taking care of your own family what does the bible say we're worse than an infidel we're wicked is what we are we're supposed to take care of our family as much as we take care of other people make sure that is a priority as a church especially take care of one another be hospitable to the fringe i like the us going on there Uh, Verse verse 13, it says, given to That's one of the few times the Bible uses the word addicted. Given to means addicted to. And it means go out of your way to find the weak and the infirm. Hospital, you hear the word hospital in there? Hospitality, hospital. It means go out of your way to find the weak and the infirm, the timid and the ashamed among us. You know, there are people who who may be just, embarrassed about being around such holy people as us you know so they come into the church and they sit as far back as possible and they just come at the last second so they leave as soon as as, as soon as it's over what's going on they're on the fringe they're on the edge they don't feel like they belong amongst us because we're so holy looking and whatever whatever's going on you need to go out of your way to like a hospital goes out for somebody who's wounded you bring them in Minister and bless and encourage people who are just barely here. Invite that quiet, standoffish person to your home for lunch and for fellowship. Get addicted to making feel people feel wanted and loved and prayed for. Don't wait for someone else to do it. You do it. You'll be so blessed by it. Luke chapter 14. I have to show you this. Luke 14. Luke 14 and verse 12. And said, Jesus, he, also to him that that bade him, because he had just been invited to somebody's house for dinner, he said, when thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. You invite them over, then tomorrow they invite you over, and then you go over to somebody else's house. Verse 13, but when thou makest a feast, why don't you go call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed for they cannot recompense thee for thou shalt be recompensed paid back at the resurrection of the just be hospitable to people who may never appreciate it may never pay you back but that may make the difference to their life uh remember how many were uh, in, in um uh in school you saw always some kid or maybe you were the kid who just never got in with the crowd and you'd sit there and watch everybody else play or you'd eat your lunch while everybody else was eating if you know how that feels then you should be the one that goes after somebody who doesn't feel a part and bring them in bless the troublemakers this is all part of the body remember we're not dealing with people on the outside it says verse 14 Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Now I know it'll apply, it applies to people, your boss or co-workers, but it first applies to us. Did you know Christians can turn against one another? How do you react? Oh, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Pastor, you go tell him. Be careful. Look how he says. Bless them which persecute you in the church. Don't curse them because <laughs> it's so easy. God, I hope you kill him, kill him dead. I think Paul keeps pushing the limits so that we see how far we're supposed to go. It's hard to pray and bless troublemakers. It's hard enough to bless if 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 we had a if there was a gardener in colleague who always every Sunday came up and just checked on us to see we we're all socially distant, and would come in and you know and have his little notepad and go, on. we'd all be saying, Lord, would you make him have the hiccups today? <laughs> would you you know? Give him a flat tire. You know, all of a sudden you start praying against his persecuting us. It's hard enough to pray for a blessing on somebody who's from outside. How harder is it to pray for one another when we're turning against one another? Individual Christians I have seen can mistreat each other horribly. A stupid misunderstanding and something said and somebody picks it up wrong and wow, World War III. I know you've never seen that. I have. We need thick skin so we don't end up destroying ourselves when someone offends us. So you have no idea what they said. It doesn't matter what they said. I have, I have learned, I have tried so hard to learn. I'm not there yet, but I've tried so hard to learn how to be slow to react to people's shenanigans. I mean, somebody does something and somebody says, aren't you going to do something? I go, not yet, not yet. I'm not sure what's going on. I give it some time because maybe they're just having a bad day. because I love the church, I love the body. So bless the troublemakers. That doesn't mean, there are times when I do have to deal with troublemakers and we do have to deal with them harshly, but that's after a lot of grace. Share emotions, look at verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Now we're still talking about Christians because a lot of Christians are afraid of showing emotions. Especially sharing them. I mean, I, I I I come from a culture in Texas, where people show emotions. It, it, maybe a little bit too much. They make fun of one another a lot. But you don't know if somebody loves you unless they make fun of you. At least in Texas, we are. But show emotions, share it. Um, a lot of people, their heart is grieving and broken, and they can't show it, so they don't come to church. And yet the one place they should be able to show emotions where when you grab somebody's hand they ought to know you love them and you're like how's your day it was pretty bad and you go really I'm sorry to hear that and you share that moment with them somebody says I just got a new car look at this And you go I hate you now no oh praise God amen <laughs> weep with them that weep somebody goes through a valley and they're still in the valley you should sit down with them and not say a word just weep with them somebody on the mountaintop and they're just they just got a raise they just bought a car things are going well you ought to just like a like like the olympics you should say praise god look at you god's blessing you amen but share emotions the whole body needs to react to the feelings of each other believe me when i stub my toe Emotion is shared all over my body. (laughs) Amen? My whole body feels that pain. Same ought to be true among us. Last thing, and I'm done. He says in verse 16, be of the same mind one toward another. Wow, I want to have the mind of Christ, which to a lot of people, they think a theological mind. That's not what he's saying. Have the same mind one towards another. Have the same mind thoughts toward each other that, you, that, 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 that they're having towards you, and it ought to be where you don't mind high things, where your mind's not on political power and on popularity and on Facebook likes and followers on Twitter. You don't mind those things. You're not thinking about those things, but you condescend to men of low estate. Low estate is an old word. It means men who have nothing. High estate means somebody who has a lot of power, a lot of position, a lot of money. Low estate, they're at the bottom of society. And instead of you wearing that robe of arrogance, of I want to hang around with so-and-so so that people think I'm as good as them, you take off that robe of arrogance and you sit down and you're with the nobodies. And you, you have the same mind because at the end of the day, we're all brethren. We have one master, Jesus, and we are brethren. And stay there. Don't try to. Churches have hierarchies, don't they, these days? Churches have different levels of powerful positions. Don't let that ever happen. This ought to be a church. Yes, there are leaders in the church, but they have no more power than what the Bible says. We need to have the same mind where we're unified, where we're one. You ever see these, these sports teams, and what do they do just before they go out? And they go onto the field, they put their hand in the middle, and they go, one, two, three, yeah! What are they doing? They're getting in sync. They're getting excited. They're saying, we're going, we're a team, we're together. And so when we come to church, what are we doing? Getting our minds all in sync, our hearts all unified, so that we, coming from the Bible, we learn what is the right thing to do, and how to, what the right things to think, and we just, we just live that way. Have the same mind, which is probably the most important thing because as you think in your heart, that is what you're going to do. I'll show you one more scripture when we're done. 1 Corinthians 9. You can leave this. Go to the right. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself free. What are those three words next? First Corinthians 9 19, I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain them more. And unto the Jews I became a Jew as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews to Christ. To them that are under the law, I lived as if I was under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law and bring them to Christ. Verse 21: To them that are without the law. <clears throat> Those who don't know the Bible. I come to them not with a lot of Bible knowledge, but I come not being without law to God, but under law to Christ, that I might gain them that are not the law. So I don't just quote loads and loads and loads of scripture and loads of laws. Or, no, I just, listen, I do as simply as I can with them to bring them to Christ. Verse 22, he says, To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I, may, I am made all things to all men, that by all means, I might save some so who's but who's got to adapt here the church doesn't adapt to you what if we had a, a powerful TD in government start coming to church should we adapt the church to his schedule or to her schedule should we make sure we have the proper seating for that VIP person is that what we should do do we adapt the church to that person or do we say hey sit down enjoy it's time for preaching and we treat each other as the same amen you know, when you come in that door, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, you're in church now. You're gonna learn about Jesus and God ought to change you to be like him. That's the goal. And it happens when we have that as our goal. That's what church is. So it's quite a list, you'd say. Those are thirteen things there. We're not gonna go over them again. That's quite next time you go through that, go, I wonder if I'm doing any of that. Being a part of a church is a lot of work you have to deal with people somebody once said who was working behind the cash register i was in a shop there and i says must be great to work here and the person says it'd be great if it weren't for the people (laughs) and you know church would be great if it weren't for the people but that's what we are that's what we do we deal with people body of christ treats itself usually pretty bad paul gave us some examples and some instructions on how to treat each other better and it ought to be evident. But not everyone who is sitting in church is actually part of that church. you got to be born again. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, um, uh, the most important thing, I'm, I'm glad it is, it, uh, uh, it is. everybody's welcome to come, sit, go, fine, free country. But wouldn't it be awful to spend years in a church and miss heaven? Wouldn't that be the greatest um, disaster of somebody's life well I went to church every Sunday all of my life since I was six weeks old and you went to hell you got to be born again and if you want to be a member you got to request membership because nobody just comes in and says ah, I want to get it. no no you got to go through and check what the Bible says are you are you saved do you have a testimony of salvation um, have been scripturally baptized okay well, we got to get you baptized good are, are, are you, Do you agree with what we're doing do you like what you see here because that's the next question Are you a member of this church yet? There are people who are in this building right now and they'll come in the next hour and they think they're members of this church but they've never joined. I like what I see here. Do you? This group of born-again believers wants to follow the pattern in the Bible to be like Jesus. I just want to be like Jesus. Is that your goal? Would you'd like to join us, then talk to me. I want to make sure you're qualified, which means that you've got true testimony of salvation and you really want to be a member and not just a spectator, then Bob's your uncle and we go forward as a church. I definitely want to make sure you understand a Bible church. Not a Cork church or an American church, but a biblical church, amen? Stand with me. Let's Let's pray. Here we are, Father, talking about trying to be more than we already are. I wish it was easy, I wish it was natural from from the moment I got saved I knew I was different but boy a lot of things didn't make sense and so you gave me a Bible, gave us all a Bible that tells us things to think on, to work on, to yield to, to yearn for. Sometimes it's very hard because it goes against every fiber of our flesh but we do want to be like jesus we our world does not need more of us it needs more of the lord jesus today so i pray that our church would be so concerned and so um, burdened about just just this list of 13 things and say lord i want to do those things whatever gifting you've given me whatever ability you've given me i just want to use it to help the body Right here. I want to help every Christian I meet. I want to help every lost person I meet. But it starts here. This is our soil that we grow in. I pray that we start. Even today. In Jesus' name, amen.